0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Lime Bites, episode three. You already know who we are. Or at least I hope you do. (laughs) So today we are going to talk a little bit about friendships and family relationships and how those have had their ups and downs over the years with having Lyme disease. And then a little bit about what people can do to help support their friends and family who may have recently gotten the diagnosis or have been dealing with it for a while Because I think it's important to know, like, from people who have gone through it, what is really helpful and what's not so helpful to hear. Yeah, because you would have no idea
1: unless you hear from someone who is going through it.
0: Exactly. And a lot of times people have good intention, but it doesn't really... It doesn't really read. Yeah, it doesn't go over well when they try and, you know, give advice or something like that. Yeah, some attempts
1: at connecting are more successful than others, so we can help you kind of weed out...
0: Yeah, navigate that bad. journey. But yeah. first, I'm a little curious, Morgan, about Are you, <laughs> your kind of feelings with friendships having gotten Lyme in high school. And, like, you know, high school is just a crazy time already with friends. Um, but I just want to know a little bit about how Lyme disease affected those friendships.
1: Yeah, so I formed my good group of friends during my freshman year of high school. And I started experiencing the Lyme symptoms during my sophomore year. And that was really when I was like the most affected. And then I was also affected the most my senior year. So I was really fortunate to already have those really strong, deep friendships by the time I was affected. Mm -hmm. And when I had to limit my activities, when I couldn't do things that I normally did, they at least had a baseline and they knew what to expect of me normally so they could appreciate that I wasn't just, like, skipping to skip. Yes, they, yeah. yeah. They, they weren't
0: just, like, trying to bail on them. Exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. they knew what I was, like, normally so safe. I couldn't go to the football game. They're like, oh, we're so sorry that you can't make it, mm-hmm. but know that we're thinking of you. And yeah. We hope that you can go to the next one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's it's really important. Yes, and
1: one of the friends in that group also has a chronic illness, so she was also very understanding of just the ups and downs, and even they were great about asking questions about, oh, like, what does this feel like for you? Like,
0: what are you experiencing? And that also gave me a voice. Yeah, I, that actually makes me really happy to hear because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times people just, like, kind of, like, throw at you, like, the cliche, like, things, and like you feel mm-hmm. better thinking, which are, like, great. You yes. still should say that to people. Uh-huh. But wanting to actively learn more about what's going on mm-hmm. and what Lyme disease is and, like, actually making... An effort to understand you, I feel like, is like a whole nother level of friendship. Yeah. And even they just
1: got to a point where they knew like my lows. And when I kind of got past them, they were happy and excited for that. But they were still understanding if I like had another setback. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, this was actually recently, but I went to Chicago with some of my friends and I didn't know this, but one of them planned out a little route through Maggie Daly Park with benches nearby. Aww. So if I needed to sit down, they sweet, were just available. That's really sweet. I didn't even know that she did that until she told me afterwards. She was like, I was so happy that you didn't have to sit down, wow. but it was an option for you if you needed to. And that like, I cried after that. That was so meaningful Oh my meaningful gosh, to I me. would too. That's like, would you smile? Wow. Would you cry? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> but
0: I'd like to say I would. you like a sentiment. <laughs> um, I yes. think that is, that's really, like, sweet. Uh-huh. You have a great friend. Like, I haven't heard a story like that in a while, so that's uh-huh. really sweet.
1: It'll warm the coldest of Warmth hearts. It warms my heart.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if you felt this way, but, like, Snapchat memories were a really hard like obstacle for me to get yeah. over when it came to Miss Young and stuff. Like in high school, I don't know. And maybe it's not as big a deal anymore to me, but seeing my friends like send in our group chat all the time of like, remember when we did this, remember when we did this? Like, and of course I want them to be happy, but I'm that was really hard for me to like get through for a while and like be like, It's okay. Like you weren't there, but like look at all the other things that you got to do with them later on. But there was a big chunk of time, like, freshman and sophomore year of high school where I was never at anything. And, like, people would be like, oh, like, Isabel, where were you in the picture? <laughs> and I'm like, eh, like, I was probably at home, like, uh-huh. sick. So, like, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that deep. But to somebody who's, like, just trying to navigate different friendships and then having all these discussions about all the fun times people had, like, it makes it a little harder to, like, mentally be, like, healing in your Lyme journey, I feel like. I don't know if you – felt that way you kind of read my mind
1: that was something that I struggled with this year was not being in pictures mm-hmm. like some people that I knew first semester they took group pictures yeah. but they would take the group
0: pictures at the events yeah
1: and, and that's hard and, and can I
0: didn't go yeah
1: no I was going back through my pictures from first semester when I was still so mm-hmm. limited by what I could do and I was like oh I have no pictures with yeah. these people, which is really bizarre. And it made me feel sad because I felt like I was missing out
0: on so much. But Yeah. And for a while, I was like, I'm just going to delete Snapchat. Like, that might be part of it. That was an interesting solution. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, that doesn't change the fact that I wasn't there, though. And that's changed a little bit as time has gone on because I've been able to do more. But for mm-hmm. a long time, I had a little grudge against Snapchat memories. I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah,
1: but other than that, how were your high school friendships?
0: You know, I don't, think that my high school friendships were as affected as middle school because Mm. I was in a different friend in middle school and we were younger and like it's so so different being sick when you're that young because nobody gets it like at all and they shouldn't nobody should have to understand that and I just feel like there were like big things that happen that I always like in middle school, like great America and like different field trips that seem so dumb, like looking back at it now, but when you're in sixth grade, you feel like you should be able to do that. And other kids don't understand like why you can't be there. Like I got a lot of like comments about how like it seemed like I was faking stuff and trying to get attention because it didn't make sense that a sixth grader would like every other week, have a different like injury. Like I didn't, I wasn't actually injured. I just had this pain that didn't make any sense. You know, you were the boot girl. Yeah. I literally, <laughs> that was my nickname. Uh-huh. Like everybody knew who I was and not for good reasons <laughs> because yeah. I was always in the library during PE class because uh-huh. I had to skip out on so many of them. But I feel like that was the hardest time with friendships. And then as I've gone on, like I have a lot closer friends now who have done a great job of just like being understanding and, you know, trying to like find different things that I could still be a part of. Whether, even if I couldn't go to like a, I don't know, like some adventurous activity because I wasn't feeling good. They'd be like, okay, well, after that, let's have a movie night, you know? So, like, they really did a good job of trying to balance out things for me, which is nice.
1: Yeah, and that sounds very mature of them.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I don't know if you felt this way, but I actually struggle more with, like, my own guilt as a friend than I think the way other people made me feel. Like, my friends did a great job of supporting me, but – I felt like I was a bad friend because I was always having to say no to things. Oh, absolutely. You know, and like, I was like, are they not going to see me as a friend anymore if I keep saying no? Yeah. Because I feel like people repeat you all the time. Like, you know, try and always like reconnect with those friends that like you don't get to see often because being in person is most important. Those interactions are most important. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't have those because half the time I'm having to miss out. And like there were things like birthdays and like meaningful times in my friends' lives that I didn't get to be a part of. And I, instead of being like, oh, they should feel bad for me. I'm like, I, like I'm a horrible friend. Like I would understand if they felt bad and didn't like me, you know? Yeah. And even jumping forward to college, the act of
1: making new friends, all the yeah. YouTube videos are like, put yourself out there. Yeah. Join all the yeah. clubs.
0: Join the sororities. Join the clubs. Oh, yeah. Volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> but that's hard to do when you're limited in your energy. Yeah. When you're tired, like – you don't want to do anything. Like no. you don't want to, some it's hard to get out of bed. You're not trying to be like in seven different clubs and mm-hmm. events. Like that's just not in your mind.
1: It's not feasible, but I definitely felt the guilt because mm-hmm. I was like, if I'm not making these deep blessing friendships, then it's my fault. Like mm-hmm. it's my inability to do this that is causing me to not have these friends. Yeah.
0: And that right there, like just, I guess it makes you doubt yourself because you're like, how did I get to this point where like I'm having to pick and choose like what I get to do and who I get to see and like Mm -hmm. there would be times I'd be like oh I pushed myself too much this weekend like because I did two things yes and I was like okay next weekend you can't do that Uh but like that's not like a happy way to live your life you know
1: or even I remember times when I would have like three events on my calendar and I would have to pick one of the three Mm -hmm. and Sometimes I make it through, like, half of that, and yeah. then I just have to be done because I hit yeah. my limit. And when I say limit, I should probably describe what that means more because yeah. people are like, what does that mean? I would just get extremely – and it's not, like, sleepy tired. I mm-hmm. call it, like, dead tired. Yeah. Like, I'm so exhausted. I need to lay down within the next five minutes Yeah, so I'm going to, like, collapse on the ground.
0: Yeah. Like, you, it's exhaustion, but it's all the time. And then mm-hmm. it's the mental exhaustion, too, like, from – putting up with whatever symptoms you pushed aside while you were Mm -hmm. out with your friend. Absolutely. You know,
1: and even maintaining those friendships is a lot of mental effort. Cause like responding to the, Hey, are you going to be here tonight? Text. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so how do I phrase this in a way that says I want to be there, but I'm not going to be there, but please ask me again if I want to be there. And
0: it's like, how do I not sound like I'm just using the same excuse every time? Like, cause after a while I would, um, I'm not surprised that people are like, oh, how is she still not feeling good? Like, yeah. or she's tired again, like she, but she's had all this time that she's rested. Like, yeah. that's a weird concept to understand. It like, is. Not ever being able to replenish your energy. So you, like even if I'm like, oh, I won't see you guys for five days and me laying in my bed. By the sixth day, I'm still just as tired, you know? Yeah. And that's hard for friends to understand. And even
1: I didn't have my symptoms, like I said, until my sophomore year. And I was friends with you in middle school and it was mm-hmm. confusing. Yeah. Cause I was like, what like the normal course of say like a broken ankle, it's yeah. like what, eight to twelve weeks or yeah. something.
0: And I'm like, what? I why? never even it's been twelve weeks. What's going on? I never even broke a bone. Uh-huh. I, I would have like sprains that would last for like months. And it was like, that makes no sense. I would go to doctors and they'd be like, you're literally fine. Like there is nothing wrong with your mm-hmm. foot. But then they would try and come with these like magical discoveries, like, what could be wrong? So all my classmates were like, what the heck? Like this girl, like she has no actual injury. Like all those like TikToks that are about. Like, the girls who would wear the knee brace for attention. I'm like, okay, way to calm me out. Like, that's all people thought of me. But, you know what? Those are just things we can look back on and laugh at.
1: Oh, yeah. Laugh, definitely.
0: But I feel like family is a little different. Oh, absolutely. Like, the ups and downs with family for me definitely felt different from my friends because, like – these are the people that, like, whether it's your immediate family who kind of feels like they have to take care of you. There's a lot of, you know, baggage with that. And then also, like, extended family, too, who's just, like, watching it through, like, whether it's, like, oh, my mom's sending them an email or a text letting them know that I'm not going to be at a family party or mm-hmm. something like that. Like, that's very different, more complicated to navigate. Yeah, I don't know how you feel yeah, about definitely that. speaking of, like, the whole why isn't she better yet.
1: My grandma, I love her, but she would always be like, so are you feeling better? Mm-hmm. And I'd be
0: like, nope, <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. like
0: You'll be the first to know when I am. But yeah. Not yet. They do it because they care. But a lot of times I feel like there was like almost like a, they wanted to measure my progress of each treatment mm-hmm. I tried. And it was like, okay, like, has it worked yet? And I'm like, I don't know. Wow. And like, I don't know when it's going to, but you know, because your family cares about you, they want to see you get better. So mm-hmm. they they feel like if they keep asking, eventually you're going to tell <laughs> them, I'm doing
1: great. Like, thank you. Yeah. And that's not always the case. But can you speak to your support system then? Like,
0: especially in your family. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously this happened in middle school, so... I was already relying a lot on my parents to take care of me Mm -hmm. and my mom stopped working. Like she was a PT and she stopped doing that because she knew she needed to take care of me and do things like that. I didn't know that that was the reason. Yeah. So I, I feel like I didn't understand that till like probably high school or later, but she definitely like sacrificed a lot to make sure that I could go to all these doctor's appointments and get all these treatments and stuff. So that was my biggest support system Even my sister and I were not that close in middle school, (laughs) but definitely like through high school and college, like she's my number one person that I go to like to FaceTime if I'm not feeling good or something or if I'm going to the doctor because I don't like doing anything alone, like she would come to the city with me. So I feel like my immediate family like was a huge support system and that's the only way I would have gotten through all of it. Like if I didn't have that, if I did do it on my own, I don't think I could have. And I'm sure you feel the same way because our moms are very similar, <laughs> and they like you know took over our like portfolio problem, the binder. <laughs> yes. No, absolutely. My
1: mom, I would not be here where I am
0: without mm-hmm. my mom. She has done.
1: I don't even know to what extent she's done. I don't I, think we'll ever know. We, yeah. we just won't. But yeah. it's been incredible. Like she's again the reason I got the diagnosis. The re- mm-hmm. she. When my initial diagnosis was anxiety disorder, and mm-hmm. if you know me personally, you just know that that's just not the Yeah, but not she, at all. Yeah, she was willing to listen to me mm-hmm. about the doctors, which I'll be eternally grateful for. But she has like pursued every single treatment, every single thing that could even possibly make me feel yeah. better. But what's interesting is if I need to cry, mm-hmm. I will go to my dad.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. When I've expressed my frustrations to my mom, she wants to fix it true true and I'm like no I'm just feeling sad and she's like go to your dad yeah <laughs> and because he's enough removed from it that he can just appreciate yeah. the emotion and be like I'm so sorry that that's how yeah. it's gone for you and he like he will just listen
0: yeah which that's is really important yeah, it is the listening factor of like not just like You know, it's good to have advice, but Mm -hmm. sometimes you got to hold it back a little bit and just, like, listen to what the person's saying and empathize with them and... Just understand what they're going through, rather than try and fix them. Yes, we need the fixers. We needed our mom oh, to fix things, but we also need the people that are just gonna let us be upset about it. Yeah, which is so interesting. Yeah, yeah. I definitely had my sister for that. Like, just when I, mm-hmm. I mean, in middle school, like I was the type of person that like I would hold it all in, like all the frustration, and then I would just like have some sort of like outburst, a of, like, or, like yeah. a breakdown, like that was definitely my go-to, and I still am like that today, like, uh-huh. I'm not very, like, a super emotional person, but then, like, once I get frustrated enough, like, my parents know, like, alright, like, it's time to listen to Isabelle, like, I get upset about whatever's going on, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah, you reach your tipping point. Yeah, and that happens a lot with Lyme disease, I feel like, because uh-huh. they dump so much on you, and, like, you process it, and you process it, and then, like, it actually hits you, you know? Yes. After I got the diagnosis, like, I remember I laughed and I was like, it's like fine. I was like, okay, I have Lyme disease, whatever. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, what does that mean? Sounds good. Then I got in the car and I was like, oh my God, like, what the heck? Like I yeah. just found out I have a disease and like literally was just like crying the whole way home. Yeah. And like that's when my parents were like, you know, just sitting there listening to me and like telling me it was gonna be fine and all that. So you need that support system. It's like mm-hmm. and it, it kind of like makes your relationships with family stronger. It oh, can absolutely. hurt friends more than family, I think great Family pushes
1: you closer, to because you need it. Yeah, you need someone. And especially, like, when you're living in the same house. I depended on my mom for a lot when mm-hmm. I was in bed. Yeah. Because especially with the pot, sometimes my heart rate would go, like, really high. Like, for reference, it's supposed to be, like, 70s, 80s. Yeah. And it would go up to, like, 150 when I would stand up. And that's just wow, uncomfortable. Yeah. It feels yeah. like you're a heart attack. It feels like you're going to die, which is not fun emotions to experience as, like, an Yeah. But she would bring me like things that I needed while I was in my room and I couldn't go mm-hmm. up and downstairs. So it's really like, I don't know. We got stronger, but I also lost some of my independence
0: yeah. in order to gain that relationship. Yeah. But I definitely feel like that is a big thing. And also I felt like people didn't view me, like, the same way as they before. They All they saw was, like, okay, she has Lyme disease. And they didn't see – they saw me as a weaker person. And I'm sure you felt that way, too. Like, for a while, it was, like, nobody wanted me to do anything where I could possibly get hurt or get sick. Like, it was, like, I felt like I was in, like, bubble wrap. And every time something happened, like, I was, like, oh, my God, it's because I have this disease and I'm weak or whatever. And that can be really, like, hard to, like – process that that's how people view you now and that's in that sense makes you a little further away from your friends and family you Mm -hmm. know
1: actually kind of a different experience since I got the Lyme diagnosis so much later than you Mm -hmm. or I should say I got the Lyme diagnosis the fall after my senior year Mm -hmm. and i would had the POTS diagnosis since my sophomore year yeah so if anything, I was blaming stuff on the pots for a really long time. True, yeah. And the Lyme was more of like a way out. Cause mm-hmm. I had exhausted pretty much all the pots resources. Yeah. And if it weren't for the Lyme diagnosis, I don't know where I would be today because that just gave me so many more opportunities and things yeah. to try. So I don't know. Like I view myself pretty similar, mm-hmm. like with the Lyme diagnosis, but it's because I already had the POTS diagnosis on top of it. Yeah,
0: that's fair.
1: I have a lot of those emotions that are related to the POTS diagnosis Mm and less like the Lyme.
0: Yeah, because during the POTS process of getting the diagnosis, like, everyone, like, I'm sure you felt like everyone thought, like, oh, she can't make it through the school day, she can't do this, whatever, Uh and, like, that can be hard to hear over and over again, because you're like, I already know that, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, that's established. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so kind of, you know, going along with that, what do you think is your advice for friends and family who know someone who's going through Lyme disease? Hmm.
1: I would say ask questions because every single time I've gotten a question, it's been like, I'm so sorry. Like, is this like offensive? Whatever. I'm offended by nothing. If anything,
0: (laughs) it makes me so so true. I love to answer questions. Exactly.
1: It makes me so happy that you care enough to ask. And even when they use that information and it impacts like a decision that they make in the future, makes me extra happy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, who's I talking to about something? But I drink a lot of liquid IVs mm-hmm. in order to just keep my blood pressure up because I have low blood pressure and POTS and, that and all, affects, that fun all that fun yeah. stuff. Even just hydration. But in the future I was mixing up like a liquid IV with that person and they're like, oh, that's for your POTS, right? And I was like, Yeah, (laughs) like that feels good. You're Uh like, wow, you paid attention. Exactly, that's a good feeling. Yeah, Uh just like listen and try to remember. But if you don't, that's okay. Like,
0: keep asking questions. Yeah, like we're not looking for like the perfect way to handle supporting. Like, no, I don't expect there is no perfect way, and you might say something that maybe was not the right thing and that's okay like that's just part of the process but if it comes
1: out weird i'll be like oh like this is maybe a different way to think about it yeah
0: yeah exactly but what about you is there any tips tricks i feel like i kind of wrote down that i have like four main things that people should do and so the first one is always check in like Mm -hmm. text messages calling anything i mean Personally, I hate phone calls my friends know that I'm like, don't <laughs> call me ask what I'm doing because I won't answer. It. Yeah, right. But, like, always send that text message. Even if you don't get a response for a few days because the person's not feeling good, like, mm-hmm. they just them picking up their phone and looking at that means so much more than you think. Oh, it makes me feel so
1: good. Yeah. Even just I, to
0: feel, like, noticed I mean, Oh, wow, well, they, like, yeah, they, they care. Like, they care about me, you know. Especially,
1: like, uh, if I miss a class or something. And someone texts me and is like, Hey, like, how are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, thanks that for thinking always, of me. you know,
0: goes a long way. Uh huh. And then I feel like lessen the amount of opinions you throw at someone. Yes. Like that has been my biggest thing. Like if you take anything away from this podcast, take that because <laughs> like people who get the Lyme diagnosis are being bombarded with so many medical opinions, whether mm. it's, from all the doctors they went to before they got the diagnosis or the current doctors and they have all these treatment options and whatever floating around their their brain and they have all this pressure, the last thing they need is for you to come in and be like, what about this? What about this? What? About, why didn't that work? This. Mm-hmm. And like, again, I'm sure it's always a good intention because you want to help the person. You want to get them the treatment that cures them or may, even though that's not possible. <laughs> you know what? Some people hope for the best. Yeah, sure. And- you know, that's not really what they need. They need a friend and a supporter. They don't need another, another doctor. doctor. Oh, I've you know, seen too like, many doctors at this point. No like, more. Yeah, I'm not looking and I certainly don't want it to be a friend or family. You know, I'd like yes. to keep it out of that circle. Sort of uh-huh. And
1: even, I'm sure I've tried the five things that you can come up with at this point already. It's
0: been kind of a long journey. So, exactly, yeah. yeah. And then third, always invite people to things, even if you know, we kind of talk about this. Even uh-huh. if you know I'm going to say no every time. It still makes a huge difference that you were like, "Hey, do you want to come? Yes. Do you want to go here? Do you want to, you know, go hiking? Even if you're like, she's definitely not going to say yes to that, but uh-huh. like, at least you cared enough to ask, you know? Yeah.
1: And don't think that it's going to hurt my feelings if I say no. Yeah.
0: Please ask me. It makes me feel nice to be included. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, I'm not going to look at him and be like, I can't believe that they asked me to do this, even though they That's know so I'm tired. So inconsiderate. Yeah. No,
1: absolutely. I'm not. Be like, wow.
0: At least they like wanted to see if I could come, and they wanted yeah. me there, you uh-huh. know. And the last thing I feel like is super important. Don't try to relate if you can't. And, like, I don't mean this in a mean way, but um, if you, you know, if someone comes to you and they're, like, talking about how, like, they've been really tired, exhausted, all this, like, don't be like, oh, yeah, like, I'm tired too. I had to wake up early. Like, those aren't really equal, you know? Yeah. And, like, you can share experiences you've had of, like, struggles on. And that's great. But, like, make sure they're meaningful and that they'll actually make the person feel better and not make them feel like you're trying to one-up them, you know? Yes. I think the one-upping
1: is big. It's one thing to be like, I'm sorry that you're having this experience. Like, I know how hard it is to be exhausted. Yeah. yeah. It's another thing to be like, my exhaustion is more than your exhaustion. <laughs> yeah.
0: i be like, really? Because I have this. Like, if this yeah. isn't a uh, game. We're not no. trying to be like, who has it worse, uh-huh. you know? So I would say that's really important. Yeah. And then I already told Morgan I was going to do this, but I was actually going through my dresser drawer before we filmed this. And I found like a huge stack of these letters, which you can't see because it's just an <laughs> audio. I see them. It's a big but stack. But Morgan sees them. And um, it was like from people in middle school when I first got the diagnosis of Lyme. And I was really sick. And I just like wasn't at anything and a bunch of people that I'm friends with like got together and then also like brought in their friends and family and all wrote me these letters that were encouraging and some people like I barely even talked to or like we had a very service level friendship but like it meant so much like it was just like some people wrote an actual letter and some people just like sign their name or like feel better soon like and that goes a long way like Okay, that was years ago, you know, almost 10 years ago and I'm sitting here now and I still have the letters like that's how important that was to me and like I go back and read them like I'm not even gonna lie like my aunt wrote me a letter when I first got um, Lyme disease I think it was like a few months after I really wasn't feeling good but some things had gotten better. She's wrote me this encouraging letter and got me flowers. And like, I go back every time I'm having like a bad like flare-up. I go back and I read it, you know. Yeah. And don't feel the
1: need to write a whole
0: letter. Oh my gosh, I no. Like a little note, but like just like a little like I'm, I'm thinking, thinking of, of you. you. <laughs> wow, that is really cliche, honestly. So I hated saying that, yeah. but you <laughs> know, it works. Some people like it. Oh, uh, I love it. <laughs> Morgan wants a give me get well soon yeah, card. You know, give me all the notes note like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh but those are just easy things I feel like that anyone can do and even if you feel like you don't know the person that well like think of something they might like you know get them a candle get them a little face mask something where that shows like okay I know you're Not able to leave your house, you're not able to do this, but I'm gonna try and reach out to you. Or even if you know their love language, take advantage of that. There we go, that's a good one. Uh (laughs) So, you know, we're just trying to bring some good advice because we know it can be like awkward also to like watch from the outside, and and you don't want to feel like
1: you're like somehow doing something wrong.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, I have to say, I give a lot of credit to people who have stepped up and like supported me. Like, that is not easy because it just feels weird and you're always scared to do something wrong. Mm-hmm. So don't feel bad if you feel that way. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And just try your best and know that we appreciate the effort, if nothing else.
0: Yeah. And the people who do have Lyme disease, we hope that you receive something after this podcast. Yes. <laughs> and we hope we get lots of letters <laughs> and presents. Yes. Lots and lots of gifts. <laughs> so thanks for listening again. Um we really hope this was a helpful podcast for everyone, not just people with Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. And we hope to keep talking about more topics that maybe are a little more vulnerable or who knows what we'll do. But if you have anything you want to hear about specifically, let us know. Always let us know. Reach out on our Instagram, by 2023 And we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.